He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and say, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. May God bless us with greater enlightenment and understanding of his word today. Well, this is a story about redemption. It's a story about the power of acceptance and affirmation. It's a story about money, like so many stories in the Bible. It's a story about money because it's one of the few positive interactions Jesus has with someone who is rich, Zacchaeus. In fact, Jesus earlier in this, in this book condemned the rich in his woe to you who are rich speech. Went on about that for a few chapters. And just prior to this story, Jesus sent the rich young ruler away sad because he chose his wealth over the kingdom of God. But in this story, Jesus' encounter with a person of means yielded good things. Here is Zacchaeus, who made money by stealing it from his own people. There's no, there's no way to sugarcoat that. There was no such thing as, a, as an honest tax collector or a good tax collector at this time. In order to be a tax collector, you had to betray your people and collude with Rome. Not only that, you probably were rich in the first place because you had to buy your way into tax collecting. You had to purchase your tax route, if you will. And he must have been good at it because he was the head tax collector, which meant that he had a lot of other mean-spirited little collaborators in his charge as well. Um, yet this story is about Zacchaeus coming to terms with all of that and reversing all of that. And in response, goes beyond what is called for in the Bible for restitution. Not from someone who's been bad in business dealings, but the, per, the proper restitution, according to the Bible, for someone who has stolen things from them, returning four times what is given, uh, what he has taken from anyone or, or cheated them out of. It's a story about the right use of money. One cannot get around the reality that the central to the kingdom of God, as Jesus portrays it, the one that Jesus heralds in, 
is that those who have are commended to share with those who do not have. In the New Testament, that is how money works. And in the kingdom of God, that is what money is for. And here, Zacchaeus exhibits this through the returning of any ill-gotten gains he has to those who are in need. It's a story about the power of acceptance and affirmation. Zacchaeus' choices had left him on the outside of his society. As I said, he was marked as a collaborator with Rome, a betrayer of his people. If a zealot was in town that day, they would have just as soon killed Zacchaeus as look at him. Zacchaeus had lost all privileges when he became a tax collector. He could not attend church. He couldn't go to the synagogue. He was not welcome at the temple. They would not let him in there. The priests would not have performed sacrifices for him or his family on their behalf. His sins put him on the outside of his culture. And he wasn't welcome in Roman society either. They would generally look upon him as a traitor to his own people as well and would see him not as a peer, but as a foreigner and someone to be used for a means to an end. Now that's not to say that Zacchaeus wasn't a, was a victim here. I don't want to make him into a martyr. He made his choices and they were bad choices and choices that perpetuated this domination system that kept a few comfortable at the expense of so many. Yet here, when Jesus declares that Zacchaeus is a son of Abraham, he is really welcoming him home. Zacchaeus is the embodiment of the prodigal son in the New Testament. And it all started when Jesus invited himself to dinner. Zacchaeus is perfectly comfortable hanging onto this sycamore limb, watching Jesus from afar. But Jesus calls out, Zacchaeus, come down here. I'm going to eat at your house today. Zacchaeus was out on a limb, but Jesus really went out on a limb too, declaring this fellow his friend before anyone. Because you know what? To dine with someone is a very intimate thing to do. You didn't eat with just anybody. Because, because sharing a meal in first century Palestine, it implied a relationship. It implied a friendship. It implied an intimacy. And it's because of that that the meals become, and food become such an important part of Christian life. And in fact, we Baptists understand that better than most, right? Food is a food is our, you know, sharing of food is our sacrament. Amen. <laughs> so, that's uh that's exactly what's going on here is Jesus says, "Hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to dine with you as if you and I were close friends." This is the kind of thing that used to get Jesus in trouble all the time. People would start grousing about that. But Jesus by inviting himself to dinner, had already accepted Zacchaeus as worthy of friendship, as worthy of attention, as worthy of being considered and sought after. 
that he might experience things that God had in store for him. No one else would have thought that of a tax collector. Finally, this is a story about redemption. Jesus was on his, tell, the scripture tells us today, Jesus was on his way to Jericho and was traveling, or on his way to Jerusalem, he was traveling through Jericho. It's kind of like, you know, I run into a lot of people that, that I, you know, I say I'm from Salt Lake, they say, oh, well, I drove through there once, right? A lot, on their way to Nevada or somewhere, or California, or everyone drives through Utah, right? <laughs> it's that same thing. Jesus was going through Jericho. There was no reason to stop. And yet, he stopped. He said, boys, we're, we're hunkering down for a little bit. And I'm sure Peter is going, wait a minute. We can make like 10 more miles today. What are you doing? Nope. I'm going to go have dinner with that guy. The short guy in the tree? <laughs> really? Okay. So that's what they did. Jesus stopped, changed his plans altered his plans and spent time enjoying the hospitality of a wee little sinner that everyone despised. Jesus didn't say, hey Zacchaeus, come hear one of my sermons sometime. Or hey Zacchaeus, come to a synagogue. He said, I want you to let me in your home. I want you to show me where you live. I want to meet your friends. Zacchaeus probably, you know, invited all of his buddies to come and join him. All the other sinners and losers and people outside of society. Jesus was saying, I want to know who you are. We are not told what went on at that dinner. We're not told what the conversation was between Jesus and Zacchaeus. We are not aware of who else was there. It's a testament to the fact that every person has their own intimate relationship with Christ. And what is transformative for you may not be transformative for me. But something happened at that dinner. By the end of that dinner, hosted by Zacchaeus, he was compelled toward justice and a completely new life. By giving away all this money and by promising not to fraud anyone else, he was basically putting himself out of business. He was basically saying, I'm going to go find something else to do because I cannot do this anymore. He looked around. He said, hey, I only need about half of this stuff. I will give the rest away to the poor. And he paid back everyone he had wronged four times what he had taken. And then he had to go find another job. When Jesus said to Zacchaeus, climb down, Jesus was inviting him back in. You know, there's this thing. I don't, it's so easy sometimes to hold our faith at a distance, to hold God far off and to say, you know, I love, I love church every once in a while on, on a Sunday, every once in a while, on a, if it's not snowing, you know, I'll go, uh, uh, you know, I love a, a good inspirational sermon that I can forget on Monday, right? I love uh, the fellowship and the food, and I love that sense of, 
of awe as we come in the room. You know, you can enjoy all of the, or you can enjoy all of that and still be holding God at arm's length. And this is what Zacchaeus was doing. He was watching, hanging onto that branch out there and just kind of watching from afar, hoping no one would notice that he's just climbed up this tree. And I'm sure like, you know, it looks a little humiliating to him, but he's standing there and watching Jesus from afar. But Jesus says, no, climb down, Zacchaeus, because you have been on the outside looking in for too long. Climb down and take the risk of appearing weak before your peers. Climb down and consider what the possibilities really are. Climb, climb down and begin your journey home. Climb down from that tree and imagine what a real full and fulfilled life of joy looks like. I get the feeling that Zacchaeus had probably been wanting to change things for a long time. Have you? Some of us have been in this kind of place where you've made choices and you've painted yourself into a corner and you cannot imagine what getting out of that corner would look like. And you feel stuck and you feel trapped even though it's not the life you wanted. Zacchaeus was probably in that corner going, I can't talk to my family anymore. I can't be a part of my society anymore. Jesus said, climb down. I'm going to help you find your way out of this corner. I'm going to help you find your way back to a full and fulfilled and joy-filled life. I'm sure it was difficult to say, Rome, I don't want to work for you anymore. It's risky. They might have arrested him as a security risk. But this is the heart of what a deep and meaningful relationship with God can be about. Zacchaeus was telling himself whatever he needed to tell him to sleep at night. And all of that diminished and disappeared in the light of God's redemptive love. And Zacchaeus said, I cannot be that person anymore. And hearing that story, it just reminds me how easy it is to not be affected by the things of Christ. You know, particularly in other parts of the world. I got to say in Utah, it's a little harder to not make some kind of decision about who Jesus is in your life, right? Am I right about that? Amen? In fact, I credit growing up in Utah, I doubt I would be here, you know, in the pulpit or let alone in church. My parents didn't go to church, so uh, it was only because of the cultural pressure you have to make some kind of choice about faith that I ultimately made a choice about faith, and that was to follow Jesus as I understood him coming from the scriptures in a Baptist church. Amen? Amen? <laughs> and it's so easy, especially in other parts of the country, to just say, yeah, you know, I pray in my own way, I worship in my own way, I, I see God in the trees, and all of that's lovely, it's nice, but it's really holding God at arm's length. 
How does that, you know, it's not really letting God affect who we are. But Jesus is not content with that kind of relationship. Jesus is not content to be a Facebook friend. Jesus is not content to just be someone you visit on Christmas and Easter. Jesus is not content to be an acquaintance. And Jesus is not content even to be someone so revered and high up that we dare not relate to him at all. Jesus invites us to climb down and experience what real faith and life looks like. Jesus invites us to climb down to be a constant companion and not just a myth that you roll out on Sunday. Jesus says, climb down and let me show you the way, the truth, and the light. Let me be the good shepherd who will give you pastor. Let me give you my yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, let me show you the light of the word and you will be salt and light to the rest of the world. Jesus says, climb down and follow me and lo, I am with you all the days of your life. Does it sound like what God wants through Christ is a nice, shallow, unobtrusive, uninterrupting, once or twice a day, you know, a week relationship? Heck no. Jesus wants to get all up in your business. Wants to be so close and tight that there is nothing. You can't get away with lying about something that's going on. It's Christ's hope and intention that the most intimate and meaningful and transformative and life-changing experience and relationship in your whole existence is with Him. Amen? Not because you're going to hell otherwise. This isn't a fire and brimstone thing. But because God wants more than anything for you to have a full and abundant, meaningful life. Not only for you, but for everyone you come in contact with. It's, it is one that invites us to the kind of redemption that has meaning for our lives. So often the word redemption has so little meaning in our lives. We pray, we say the right things, we even study the Bible and understand it really well, and we, but we're never touched or changed or transformed by it. It's like we're watching it from up a tree as it marches by on the way to Jerusalem. Jesus is not content. Jesus says, come down, dine with me. Let's get to know each other. And if we get to know each other, your life will never be the same. Amen. Let us pray. Great and loving God, who through Christ we know what it is to live a communal life with you and with each other. We pray for intimacy. We pray for a redemptive relationship that truly changes our life. We pray for the courage to seek you in all 
our days and all our ways. And we ask all these things in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.